it's centered around, you know, small daily habits. So we help you build a morning routine. I believe if you win the morning, you win the evening, then it's a lot easier to win the day that falls in between there. So we help you establish healthy habits in the morning. We help you establish healthy evening routines and then provide you tools like throughout the day. So yeah, we're going to do meditation in the morning, not because by meditating at 7 a.m. every morning, it's going to eliminate the trigger that always comes at three o'clock, but it's going to prepare you and equip you to have a tool or a box of tools that you can pull on. So later on when that trigger comes, okay, this is how I just slow down my thoughts. This is how I you know, change my, my heart rate. I bring it down a little bit. All right, my friend, welcome back to another amazing episode here on the Fit Father Project podcast. This is your host, Dr. Anthony Balduzzi. I'm the founder here at the Fit Father Project. And today, I am feeling incredibly grateful to share this powerful conversation with you between myself and my friend, Frank Rich. Frank is a former bodybuilder, an entrepreneur, a men's health coach, and the host of the Superhuman Life podcast. And the reason I brought Frank on for this conversation today is not strictly because of his fitness background. It's because Frank is a man who's dedicated his life to helping people break free of porn addiction. Yes, I said pornography. And I believe this is an important conversation because as fit fathers, it's not just about physical well-being with your nutrition and your habits around your exercise, your sleep, your recovery. It's about well-being on all levels, mental, physical, spiritual. And in today's day and age, pornography needs to be a part of this discussion because here are the facts. Today in the U.S., over 40 million adults regularly visit internet pornography websites. 10% of adults in the U.S. admit to having a porn addiction, and right now, over 50% of teens search out porn regularly, at least monthly, and over 50% of male students and 30% of female students viewed porn before they became teenagers. This is the world we live in. We have the internet, and right now, there's pornography all over the place. And This is currently kind of like a taboo thing to discuss, but it really shouldn't be because our bodies have this inborn desire for sex and procreation, which is beautiful. It's the reason that you and I exist and we're here is because our parents had sex. But the problem is when we have this internet pornography that takes something pure like sex and brings it into the domain of violence, of aggression, of all sorts of these crazy overstimulated things, it wreaks havoc on our health, our well-being, and our neurochemistry. And so I wanted to bring Frank on to discuss this stuff. And look, it's not getting any better into the future. With virtual reality right around the corner, it's projected that by 2025, virtual reality porn is going to be over a $1 billion industry, and it's only getting bigger and worse. So we need to address it for both ourselves and our kids. And that's what we get into in this conversation with Frank. In just a few moments, you're going to hear about Frank's story about he battled porn addiction, depression, and anxiety for over 20 years, and his overall turn and transformation to really getting himself right, to reconnecting with his faith, and developing a proven system and a path to break free of porn addiction, and also to really just uncover and shine light on the deep dangers of porn addiction. This is a conversation that we need to be having, so I'm super happy to use this podcast as a platform to bring on Frank Rich. We're going to talk about neurochemistry. We're going to talk about the relationship between addictions to things like porn to addictions to things like sugar and all sorts of bad self-destructive behaviors. All of this has a common ground, and that's what we get into in this conversation. So without further ado, let's get into this combo today with Mr. Frank Rich. Frank, welcome to the podcast, bro. So for those who don't know, I had the opportunity to be on Frank's show recently, and we had an incredible conversation. And then I was like, Frank, you need to come on this show because what you talk about in your own words, is probably one of the most important conversations that we're not having today. And it's affecting men's health on tremendous levels, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So let's kick this off. Like, Introduce yourself to everyone listening and, and tell us how you got into studying, helping men break free of porn addiction and how this has impacted your life to bring you here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, first off, just thank you once again, Dr. Anthony, you know, for 
A for one for coming on, you know, Superman Life recently. Just already the response and feedback we're getting from from that conversation just been mind blowing. So I'm looking forward to that continuing to you know reach and, and impact my audience. But yeah, I guess for me to to try to keep this as short and concise as possible because I do have the ability to go on a, a long, long tangent. So reel me in any time if I if I get off track here. But yeah, you know, I, I always say it, like it's not something I just woke up one day and I was like, oh, porn addiction looks like an interesting area to explore and get into. You know, everything I'm doing today is ultimately a product and a result of my own, you know, life story and, and transformation. So a little bit about me and I have a background in health and fitness. You know, we kind of got into some of that in our initial conversation. I grew up in the bodybuilding space, been been training, you know, myself for, for almost 20 years now and really diving deeper into how to help other people for probably the last 12 to 14 years. In all that, there's, you know, there's some exploring and in, in, in getting into corporate America. You know, I had some minor success, you know, in the sales training world and, and, and whatnot. But I think at my core, like I always knew I was A, an entrepreneur first, when I always had a heart and passion to help other people. And probably why I succeeded in the sales training aspect Aspect because I love to see other people win. If I have some knowledge or some information, just like you, that I can pass along to somebody else to make their life better in any way, then I believe that's what we're all kind of called to do. But you know, to kind of kind of fast forward here. So yeah, you know, I, I got into pretty, you know, pretty intense competitive bodybuilding around 2008, 2009. So a little over a decade ago. You know, very fortunate to to have worked with and trained with some of you know the top athletes and coaches in the world. Now. While all this is going on behind the scenes, you know, I'm struggling with, you know, my my own addiction. So for a little bit of context, I'm 38. And I think it's important to understand that because, you know, as we'll probably get into, you know, maybe some of the issues with kids and whatnot today, the average age of first exposure currently is about 11 years old to pornography, but they're getting exposed to something that wasn't even around when I was a kid. So, you know, I stumbled across dad's magazine around six or seven. It was a paper magazine. So, you know, I think the big danger today and, you know, in the, in the internet world, the technology world is just this infinite supply and in the very high stimulus effect that you get from some of the internet streaming stuff. But yeah, to kind of bring us fast forward here today. So around late 2018, I was business mastermind and got into the mastermind to learn business, to learn how to grow an online, you know, an online fitness company. What that really exposed me for the first time ever in my life was strong, powerful Christian men that were leaders in their homes, leaders in their businesses, and leaders in their communities. So I wasn't I wasn't born in, you know, in a religious home. There was no real faith growing up. But over, you know, over the exposure through through these men, like I, I came to know Christ and, and I surrendered myself uh, to Christ in, in October 22nd, 2018. And that was kind of the catalyst for for me really unpacking, you know, a lot of the the things that that I was doing in my own life, drugs, alcohol, you know, pornography, casual sex, so forth and so forth. So over the next five or six months, like I really just started to and just get closer to God, understand what that relationship really was. And, and like I said, really unpack what I was, you know, in my own life and trying to, you know, have a clean walk with, with Christ. So that brings us to February, 2019. And, and at this point, I had probably known that I'd had a problem with porn for a while. I just, I wasn't ready to face it, but I stumbled across a podcast with an author. His name is Michael John Cusick. He wrote the book called Surfing for God, which is a mandatory reading in our coaching curriculum. And this was the first time I'd ever heard a guy really talk about, you know, how porn had impacted his life at a very deep level, you know, talks about how it led him into getting to darker genres and then, you know, escorts and prostitutions and, you know, almost ended up costing his marriage and his business and so forth. And everything he said, like I could see, I could see myself in his stories. I could see myself in, in, in what he was sharing. And that was kind of the moment it was like, okay, I was only 35, 36 at the time. This guy's in his fifties. Like if I don't get this behavior under control now, is that me in the future? Like, does this only continue to get worse? So being somebody that enjoyed understanding how the body worked from a, you know, from a physical standpoint, like I was always somewhat into science, not, not to the degree that you are, but I'm like, okay, let me, let me dive deeper into to what is actually, you know, going on here. And then that led me to finding uh, Gary Wilson's book, Your Brain on Porn, you know, just really starting to understand, like, it really is a drug that we're consuming. You know, we don't obviously think it is at the time, but when you see how it affects the brain, when you see how it kind of hijacks your reward center in these high stimulus, you know, v- videos that we're consuming, it's like, I got to make a change. So through a series of conversations with, you know, those same men that I mentioned that I met in that group, it's like, 
okay, I'm, I think I'm ready to take back control of this. And February 14th, 2019, I was in a long-term relationship at the time that has ended, but you know, I still think it's important to reference that because there was a very deep-seated why as to why I needed to change. I knew that if we were going to continue in our relationship and, and ultimately, you know, we were having discussions of like future and whatnot that she needed to know the truth. So I made the choice. I made a decision to to end it then and there, you know, and there's this whole story with me, like ripping a computer apart and throwing it away and, you know, just, just kind of getting it out there. And, and it really started with me just having these conversations with men in my life, you know, in a private setting, the next three, four months though, my life changed. And this is what I now understand is like the reboot process. When you cut off the consumption and you allow your brain and body to kind of reset, like I began to see the world completely different. You know, I always preface it like I didn't, you know, look at an elephant and saw a horse anymore, but the vibrance of colors, when you see people, like you no longer see them as objects, you begin to see people as souls and spirits. So I was like, wow changed my life. Just one decision changed everything about how I saw the world. And then I had this moment of reflection, like, okay, I was somebody that studied health and fitness. I was somebody that has been studying high performance. You know, I've been a consumer of, of personal development and Tony Robbins for, you know, 20 plus years. So it's like, I knew I had this arsenal of like understanding performance, understanding self-development and all that going on. Like I still was struggling with these behaviors. So I had this moment of clarity where like, if this led me down this path with everything that I knew, what about all the men that maybe aren't consuming the information that I am? Do they even understand the impact that porn is having on their brain? And then if they're ready to make the decision, like, do they have a, a set of, you know, an arsenal, a, a toolbox to pull from? And, and that's where, you know, a lot of our coaching now that we do, it's, I'm not inventing anything new. There's an element of addiction recovery, but it's really centered around growth, taking ownership. And then, yeah, we do fully, you know, look at it from a holistic perspective. So this led me to literally just starting a podcast. I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to at least get my story out there in the world and what this has done to me and how it's changing me in my life. And that led us to launching the podcast in July of 2019. You know, we got about 20, 30 episodes in. And at the time I was working for a marketing agency while running Frank Rich Fitness on the side. So, you know, I was still putting content out there. It was fitness content at the time, but what happened over you know the first six months of the podcast, as we got recognized by Apple, you know, we got in the new noteworthy, started to gain some traction. The messages I started to receive from people changed from, thank you for your fitness information. Thank you for helping me get bigger arms, or thank you for helping me drop 15 pounds to Frank. Thank you for your willingness to have this conversation. Can you help me? And it's like, I got into coaching, not because I saw an opportunity. I got into coaching because people started asking me if I could help them. So this takes us to, you know, probably February of, of 2020 when I was like, I had been getting requests. And at the time I was like, I don't know, like guys, I, I was able to do this on my own. I believe due to the 20 years of, you know, consuming everything that I did, but I wanted to try. So I took on two clients without any program, without any curriculum. I'm like, guys, I'm going to work with you one-on-one -on -one for the next 16 weeks. Cause I felt like that was a good time period of fully recovering and fully rebooting. So the first two clients, I literally developed the curriculum in a week to week basis. Now here we are, you know, almost two years later, I've had over, you know, a hundred guys work one-on-one -on -one with me. And we've had about 1700 men at this point, go through our various programs and books. So yeah, in a very short, concise, you know, story there, it's a product of my own story and transformation, but ultimately believing that I was put, yeah. you know, put in a position where I can help and serve other men. I know that to be true for sure. I mean, you're here for a reason in having this discussion. And I want to start to get into the impacts of porn on the brain. I want to frame this too from just like an evolutionary psychology perspective. For some reason, this is like a very taboo thing for guys. They feel there's like shame around talking about this, but like this is the most fundamental basic thing that's hardwired into our bodies. We're here to reproduce. This is the urge of the body to spread DNA. I mean, you look at any animal, rabbits, they're always having sex. I mean, reproduction, right? But with technology, it's made things so accessible. And it's kind of like hijacked this ancient circuitry. So what effectively happens to the brain with porn consumption? I want to start there. And what are some of the effects if we do it often? And let's get into that. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think I made a point to reference, you know, my age and address it from the internet streaming technology side of things. Because one of the things that I'll get, you know, I'll get pushback every once in a while. Oh, porn's been around, you know, since the, you know, since the beginning of man or since the dawn of time. And it's like, yeah, you can find, you know, if you study archaeology and whatnot, you'll find, you know, paintings and drawings like in a cave. And it's like, okay, a, a painting of what looks like a figure of a person is not the same thing from high streaming, you know, high arousal, high stimulus, internet streaming pornography. And I'm, I'm stealing terms here from Dr. Trish Lee, who, you know, works in the space here. And I've had her on the podcast here a couple of times. She's a 25 year, you know, professor in the neuroscience world. Her terminology for it is internet streaming pornography is a super normal stimulus. And the focus there is that that's super normal. So there's, yeah, we're, we're designed to get arousal. We're designed to get stimulus. You know, dopamine is, uh, you know, it's the currency of motivation. It's designed to bring us closer and, and release as we're moving towards our goals. What happens from first, second exposure of the internet streaming pornography, the high stimulus, high arousal, infinite supply, is it, it changes your baseline. So now you've established this hit of dopamine at this super normal level, like nothing in the natural world is going to give you. And, I'm, and, and I don't want to say that watching porn is the same as, consuming hardcore drugs, but the impact, the level of dopamine that you're getting is right there in and of the same. There's these super normal stimuluses. So what ends up happening over time is, you know, one, two exposure, you've established a new baseline. Your brain can say, okay, if I need dopamine, I can go get it here at this level. What ends up happening is you no longer begin to find joy or even motivated to pursue other goals in, in life. Because like we said, dopamine is a currency of motivation as you're moving closer towards your goals. I'm sure you probably tell your clients, like you don't get you don't get dopamine at the end of the 30-day challenge or at the end of six weeks or 12 weeks when you lose 15 pounds. A little hit of dopamine every time you make that decision, every time you're in the pursuit, you're driving towards a gym or you're sitting there, do I choose the cookie over the, the chicken breast and broccoli? Making a small choice aligned with the goals that you're going to is going to reinforce that you're doing the right behaviors. When it gets hijacked, though, by pornography, then you fall in this cycle of like, okay, A for one, I'm only going to get the hit from getting porn, but then it's wrapped up because you you know what you're doing is somewhat wrong. Like you said, it's a taboo subject. So if you're not willing to have a conversation about it, how can you sit there and consume it by yourself and pledge yourself to it? So it throws you in this cognitive dissonance of the shame cycle where it's like, okay, I know I need this to get this feeling that I want, but the minute I'm done, then I'm riddled with guilt and shame of why do I continue to do this? And if you can't figure that out, you're constantly going through this this cycle. So I would say probably the biggest danger is just how it hijacks our reward center and makes us believe that we're we're getting you know this this pleasure or this this intimacy we can get into the whole other side of things you know where we need physical touch we need you know real connection with other human beings and and if you don't allow yourself to have that then you you know you've rewritten some of those desires and gotten to a little you know the, the, the desire talk in in our conversation of how where you begin to think what you what you need is false when all you really want is is to feel love is to feel touched is to feel intimate with somebody so yeah yeah, that'd probably be two of the biggest problems that I'm you know, seeing. Totally. And I think what you described in terms of this dopamine loop is very similar to what happens when people are addicted to, let's say, sugar, right? I mean, very similar things. Like there's the craving period. You believe that this particular thing is going to meet that craving. And, and when you do have it and you're getting these Russian neurotransmitters, when neurotransmitters are released in exceptionally high levels, whether through a drug or something like a very strong stimulus like porn, the receptors in your brain get saturated with those neurotransmitters. And over time, to protect themselves, the receptors go under the surface. They become less responsive. For every peak, there's like a bigger valley, which leads you to another craving of peak. And this is what happens when people are addicted to foods. This is what happens when people are addicted to porn. And it's not like this deficiency of dopamine and, and the lack of receptors activity because you've had so much of this just stays in one domain of your life. I mean, I imagine the cross-domain effects of this stuff, right? I mean, let's speak to that. I'm sure being addicted to porn and being in this cycle of, of the shame-guilt cycle of porn is also affecting how impulsive you are with other things, probably with food choices, with other self-destructive behaviors. I imagine these things are all completely linked. Oh, 100%. And that's why, you know, within the first two weeks of, of our program, you know, as we're working through controlling your compulsive behavior with pornography, we're actually addressing the, the food side of things. Like we utilize fasting in a very strategic and structured way. Cause I do believe that if you can learn to deny yourself food for a shortened period of time, because, you know, you and I understand fasting is like, it's, it's, 
from an evolutionary perspective, it's like how I believe we're we're designed to eat. I think we get caught up. It's like, A, for one, we've been told six small meals a day for decades. It's like, that's not it. You can go, I mean, 40 days without food. I mean, there's there's thousands of people doing that every single year. But what I tell my guys is, is here in the first couple of weeks, like I'm going to force you to, to suffer, not suffer, but push yourself through a little bit of discomfort on the food side of things and learn what it feels like when that you know, when that false trigger comes for food, how do you suppress that? And then what does that feel like, you know, an hour later on when the feeling is completely gone, you realize that was just a false trigger being sent to you. So later on in week six, week seven, when a trigger comes for pornography, you're like, oh, this feels very similar to what the sugar trigger felt like. So if I can use that same approach, if I can use that same internal feeling to suppress that, distract myself, get out of the, you know, change my environment, you know, do something to just get my mind off of the feeling that I need this right now. Then I realized that like an hour down the road, like I'm not even thinking about porn again. Like it was just in the moment. So yeah, it, it, it definitely plays over. And then you know, uh, Dr. William Struthers, who wrote Wired for Intimacy, talks about, you know, how how it starts with porn, but it always leads to alcohol, it leads to drugs. And a lot of that is due to a, just the inability to, you know, control your compulsions, but it's also going to be wrapped up in the, in the guilt and shame. So, you know, if you can't control yourself with pornography and you're caught up in this cycle, well, how do you, how do you mask some of those feelings and emotions? Well, let me seek out another substance that's going to suppress those feelings and emotions. So yeah, very seldom do we get a guy that's coming in and we're just addressing like an isolated problem with pornography. It's usually manifested itself either in food gaming addiction, you know, social media, dating sites, work. I mean, some guys will just dump themselves in, in into work in an unhealthy fashion as well. So yeah, and, and that's why I believe I've been able to, you know, have the success that I had because I don't I don't box myself in a hole as a recovery coach. More than anything, I'm probably I don't like the term life coach, but we're going to look at your health. We're going to look at your training. We're going to look at your sleep. We're going to look at your work. We're going to look at your free time. We're going to look at your hobbies and then understanding how it all ties together. And it seems like the first moment of making this kind of shift is the commitment to that deep why to say like why this is important to invest concerted effort in a short period of time. It very much relates to the methodology we use with our Fit Father program members, you know, because they're writing a mission statement for an intense 30-day period where we're really like up-leveling all these different facets. That that seems like this deep commitment needs to be a big piece of that. So how do you specifically address that with your guys when they're joining the coaching program and helping them get clear on the effects of this and, and why it's deeply motivating for them to to make a change today. Yeah, that starts from our application process. You know, we're we're gonna we're starting to gather that information from the beginning uh, because at the end of the day, if if the guy is a not fully committed and. This probably sounds bad to say, but if he's not fully committed and there is not a deep suited why, like he's just, you know, maybe entertained by the idea of getting porn out of his life or he's interested in doing it, I tell him all the time, like, I'm not here to high pressure sales. I'm not here to just take your money. Like, I want success stories in our program. So there's got to be a foundational or, you know, deep seated reason why in the beginning. So, yeah, we start addressing that right from the time that they're filling out their first consultation form. And then it's going to constantly be reminded to them through the first onboarding process. Yeah, right there in the first couple of weeks, we're addressing the problem. We're identifying the deeper impact because I don't believe that it's just impacted, you know, your relationship and porn. So, so we really bring to surface, you know, where it's, it's impacted their health, where it's impacted maybe their finance career, other areas. So they bring all that to the table in week one. And then in week two, we help them identify and, and write out a bigger vision for their life, like years into the future, because it's understanding that this is going to be a continual process for you, but we got to start planning, you know, goals in life that, that we can start chopping off and moving towards but yeah, actually, I was I was really intrigued by not not intrigued, but when you said how you guys you write out a mission statement and why an entire month, like and I think I told you at the time, like we we're something I'm looking at, you know, kind of kind of tweaking the the onboarding part of. So we had that mission statement at the beginning, but yeah, we asked that question from the beginning. You know, why does this need to happen, and what's your level of commitment? And then it's you know it's it's reminded on a on a week to week basis to them. Now I want to chat one more note on this before we pivot gears and talk about our kids and the kind of world they're growing up in. That's what I want to go next. But I think something I want to highlight, it's subtle, but it's so powerful and true what you've been saying. The process of behavior change in any domain, whether losing weight and building muscle 
or freeing yourself from porn addiction is getting clear on this deep motivational factors, creating a container for the change. You have a specific length of your coaching program. Our programs are of a specific length. And once you have that deep emotive framework, you implement some simple habits and routines that are building progressively week by week to, to create momentum. And then momentum creates more momentum and you have positive momentum instead of negative momentum. So this is the process. And you guys are obviously nailing it with the success stories you're having. Now, There are some guys listening to this who do not struggle with porn addiction. Maybe some do, maybe some don't. But certainly, there are a lot of guys listening to this that have kids that are growing up in today's day and age, which is probably one of the most challenging times ever to grow up from the standpoint of these smartphones with the Instagram and the Facebooks and the TikToks on there that, one, don't just give simple, easy access to porn, but they're also filled with social media stuff that is also hijacking dopamine by its very design of these networks. So what's going on with kids today as it relates to this kind of stuff? And what are some of your concerns? We'll start there. And then maybe we get into some ideas of how parents can help their kids who might be silently struggling with this, or at least on the track to moving in a direction where they can end up with a big problem. What's going on today with kids in society? Yeah, I think the biggest problem, and this is you know very close to home for me because it's a certain family member that I have. And it's the biggest fear I see or the biggest challenge I see with parents is them thinking, oh, it's not going to happen to my Johnny. Or, you know, I'm raising a good kid. He's got great, he gets great grades and, you know, he's active in sports. So he's not going to fall into this. Let me preface this. Like I was a straight A student from first grade to 10th grade, not a B on a report card. I was an all-star athlete. Like I was a popular kid. Like I was in and I don't want to say this like in a way where like I'm like bragging about my childhood, but I I I, I was that kid that was like all-star team, picked first, like president of the honor society and whatnot. So I was a great young boy and I still struggled with it. So I think the biggest thing that if I could say to any parent is your little kid is not special. It will find him. And, and I think it's important to phrase it that way. There will come a point in your young child's life when his eyes see something that his brain is not developed to handle. So what can parents do is they got to get in front of it. And it's got to be tackled, A, with trust and having real conversations. So first and foremost, like if there is a guy that's struggling with it and he's thinking about how do I prevent my kids from doing it, get yourself under control first because you can't go have a conversation with your young son about what he's going to face in the future if you're still struggling with it because that conversation is not going to come off authentic. Kid's going to read right through it. Trust me, like from a subconscious level, a kid's going to know that you are not being real and honest. Now, once you're beyond that, and you're ready to have the conversations. Like I said, start having the conversation early. There's some great resources out there. There's an amazing book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. It's for younger kids, probably you know five to seven years old. But it's just understanding when you see something that maybe doesn't sit with you, this is why and this is what you need to do with it. So planting those seeds early on. Yeah. And then on the social media side, I mean, it's, it's definitely something that It's a balancing act because, you know, how can you tell a parent, like, don't give your kid a certain device when it's becoming a part of our world and they need to have it. But there's some parental controls out there that you can look at doing, trying to limit, you know, certain apps. I think there's even phones specifically for kids, which only allow you to access some of these apps. But I think you got to like, you got to set the tone. Like, it's not you have to establish the rules. If it's you're going to check their phones, you know, at night, you're going to review what they're looking at. Their phone's going to be linked up to, to yours. There's another great organization out there called Protect Young Minds, led by Christopher McKenna, um, which all of their content is centered around like the dangers out there, new technologies coming out. It's not a lot of what we focus on. It's obviously we have the conversation about it, but if I can direct people to good pictures, bad pictures, protect young minds. But I think more importantly, it's understanding that no matter what an amazing job you're doing as a parent, there will come a time where they're going to be exposed to it. So just accept that first as a parent. Be ready when it happens. Educate yourself. A great documentary to watch is maybe Childhood 2.0. You can find that on YouTube or I believe it's on Netflix as well. Just understanding, once again, the technology and, and what it's doing. But yeah, just be ready. Be equipped. Educate yourself by listening to conversations like this. And then more importantly, getting in front of the issue before it surfaces itself. Yeah. I mean, it seems like there's no way to insulate kids from any of this, whether it's their own searching, it's what are their friends doing? You know, they're at school. So it's like, it's going to be exposed. The honest, transparent conversation head on with technology boundaries does seem like the right way. Yeah. And I'm not a parent. So, you know, I always struggle with this, but 
I see a problem where if you do try to insulate them and you keep them boxed up in this world, what's going to happen when they leave home? Then they're going to see this whole world and it's like, well, why didn't mom and dad expose this to me? I'm not saying you need to throw your kids, like just throw them out in the world, but I'm not one that believes like you can keep people boxed up in a container because eventually they're going to experience the world. So we have to be able to lay that foundation, do the work, establish the relationship with our kids so they know that they can trust us. When something doesn't feel well, doesn't sit well in them, they know that they can come to mom or they can come to dad because that's what we've conditioned and that's what we've had in our home from day one. I have a question, and this is really from a curiosity standpoint, is, is this just a problem for men and young boys? Or is this something that we're talking about in this space right now is affecting women and young girls? I know men obviously have different and more like overt in your face drive and are the biggest consumers of porn. But uh, what's going on with our young women in society today, too? Is this something that's that's discussed? Yeah, great, great question. And I'm sure you know, I mean, the male and female brain is is stimulated differently. William Struthers talks about this in Wired for Intimacy, how the male brain is triggered visually. You know, it's why women wear, you know, red lips that they put makeup on. Like, you know, there's not a guy walking around that's trying to like look a certain way for a woman. Where he takes it in the book is women is on the erotica novel side of things. Now, I do hear stories of young girls that have a porn addiction. So I'm not saying that a woman can't be as addicted or struggle, you know, as compulsively as a man do. I don't see it as, as regularly, but it's interesting. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Jordan Peterson. One of the things that he addressed here about four, six months ago, and I'm, I'm going to go kind of side topic here, what they're noticing that the fastest rise in transgenderism, or I guess the biggest area or the biggest demographic being impacted by that is teenage girls. And why he believes or what he was trying to link it to was that these young women are being exposed to it and they're seeing women being humiliated, being abused, being, I mean, because there's nothing glamorous about the women in pornography. It's its abuse. And when, if a young girl is going to see this, this is what I need to do to find a man in my life. Like, I don't want to be abused. I don't want to be raped by 10 men at one time. I don't want to be spit on like this is the stuff that young boys are seeing so that's how it's conditioning them and then young women are seeing is oh this is what i need to do well if that's the case then i'll just be a boy and then i won't have to deal with that anymore so i know it's way kind of you know out there but I, I definitely can see how it is linked together but i say probably you know with the young female more than anything it's conditioning to a believe that they need to be like a sexual object to get love or or, or to be accepted by men that's probably the biggest problem Yeah. And the other thing that I think is very relevant, particularly for young girls right now, is depression and not feeling good about yourself because we have young girls who are developing that are hopping on Instagram and certain apps and seeing, you know, Photoshop supermodels that are 15 years older than them. And I think there's just generally a lot of discontent and emotional issues that are playing out in a number of ways right now. So it is definitely a variable, I think, that's turning a lot of people to gaming at a young age. Mm. So that's relevant. And the one thing I want to mention, too, is I think gaming, the idea of people playing video games, like as parents listen to this, they're like, yeah, I think my kids of that certain age play a lot of video games. This is also playing on these same dopamine circuits. I think the porn and the video games are very much linked. I think if you see people who are watching a lot of porn at a young age, I'm certainly there doing video gaming too at the same time. So it's all about like protecting neurochemistry. So what specifically do people do, whether it's a porn addiction or another addiction in your program to really reboot? You mentioned fasting. I imagine there's some exercise components, maybe some meditation. Like what are some key tenets of your protocol that helps someone heal themselves from this overstimulation and addiction cycle? Yeah, all of the above, but structured in a very, you know, laid out way that it's not all thrown at you. And now you go, go figure this out. You know, we address it at the beginning, but it's got to start from the beginning with a taking personal responsibility of your life, of where you're at. You're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not a victim to any of this. There's been a series of choices and decisions that have been made over your time or over your life that have led you in this point where you can no longer at this point control your behavior. Once you accept that and take responsibility that you are the one that's gotten you here and you're the only one that's going to be able to get you out of it, then we can start developing a strategic plan. But I think that is got to be where it comes from first. It's like 
It's not because your parents did a poor job raising you. It's not because Becky rejected you at the senior prom. It's not because you can't find a woman on Tinder. Those are all the excuses that you keep telling yourself. It's your responsibility, though. So I think that's the first thing that I really try to get across in all of my messaging is I'm here to help. I'm here to lay out the guide and and I'll hold you accountable and I'll be along your side during this walk. But you have to do the work. You have to be the one that's willing to take the action. Then from there, you know, we talked about getting clear on the reason why why, and then kind of painting a bigger vision for what your life can look like without pornography. And I think it's understanding that you're here, it's impacted these other areas right now. If you're going to get out of it, the best place to start is by changing the areas where the porn has been negatively impacted. So let's start getting some wins in those specific areas. Yeah. Then we look at fasting. We utilize more of a ketogenic approach on the nutrition side at the beginning because our big goal yeah. is really eliminating you know, some of that dopamine that you're going to get from sugar, processed foods, and, yeah. and whatnot. And also, it's very easy to utilize both intermittent fasting and then a weekly 24-hour fast if you're in a state of ketosis. So our nutrition is you know, carnivore-ish keto strength training. But yeah, it's it's centered around, you know, small daily habits. So we help you build a morning routine. I believe if you win the morning, you win the evening, then it's a lot easier to win the day that falls in between there. So we help you establish healthy habits in the morning. We help you establish healthy evening routines and then provide you tools like throughout the day. So yeah, we're going to do meditation in the morning, not because by meditating at 7 a.m. every morning, it's going to eliminate the trigger that always comes at three o'clock, but it's going to prepare you and equip you to have a tool or a box of tools that you can pull on. So later on when that trigger comes, okay, this is how I just slow down my thoughts. This is how I, you know, change my my heart rate. I bring it down a little bit. So yeah, it's a series of daily habits, education. Like I said, there's there's a series of books that the guys are required to read. There's some feedback. You know, there's weekly journaling exercises, and then more importantly, it's it's regular checking in and regular accountability. So we just don't send you a program and then say now go do this on your own, and then in 16 weeks your life's going to be over. No, we either are having weekly group coaching calls, or if you're working in our you know one on one coaching, then you're then you're meeting with me on an either weekly or bi weekly basis. So I think the accountability, and in that way we can do regular checkpoints. Like and sometimes the accountability is like let's talk about what we really well this week and let's really celebrate our victories. Let's acknowledge ourselves for the change that we're being done. Yeah, every once in a while we got to dive deeper into, okay, you made some poor decisions here. This is what you need to do next time. So yeah, all the above. And then probably more importantly, it's the community and the accountability. It is like that last piece. I'm so glad you brought that up because when I started coaching people in health and fitness, I used to think it was so important to nail the nutrition, the exercise, and the programming. But what I discovered from coaching people is it's getting like-minded people in a container of interaction with one another. And I think this is really well supported in the research too, where they put rats in a cage and they put some like cocaine kind of type substance in the water and, and rats will be addicted to the cocaine as long as they're alone. Mm-hmm. But when you put the rats with the other rats or the mice with the other mice, they don't develop addictive behaviors to these addictive substances because the social aspect is so huge. So I mean, like-minded people inside our fit father brotherhood and fit mother sisterhood, it's filling your cup up in ways that you used to be going to other external factors to do that. So I think that's just super important. Yeah. I've been blown away. So full transparency for the first year or 15 months, I wasn't comfortable doing it in a group. And for one, like I told you, I developed the curriculum working with the first set of clients. So the first year plus of me having the coaching program, it was only offered in a one-on-one capacity. Like you had to work directly with me. And we just now gotten to a point where the curriculum is built into a member's portal. It's refined. We've perfected it over the last year. And now we're doing monthly where we launch a group every single month. But what I'm nice. what I'm noticing is it's like the, the conversations that are going on behind this because we meet once a week as a group, you know, and then they can email me and whatnot. And we have, you know, regular check-ins, Facebook group and whatnot. But these guys are having conversations, like deep, meaningful conversations with each other. So like we'll get on our Monday night call and it's like so-and-so is like, Yeah, I was talking with Chris this past week. He was sharing with this, and I was like, just blown away. It's like I'm not even having to do any of the real coaching because they're there for each other. Yeah. So yeah, that community aspect is it's, it's changing everything we're doing here. That fellowship is so important. And I think all great movements are, are centered around heart-centered fellowship of us helping one another. Yeah. Now I have a direct question for you is of people that come through your program, are people who have a strong faith more successful than others or, or not? 
I'm not trying to lead you in any way in this question, but I know for you as a man who Christ is the center of your life, and I know that if I look at a lot of these other programs that have been successful in helping people with addiction, like Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the first things that they do is that they give it up to God. Like, there's a higher power here. You know, you know, I relinquish control here. Like, we're going to do this work on many levels, the physical level, mm-hmm. mental level, and, and deepest spiritual levels. How important has that been in your journey, and how do you see that play out with your clients? Yeah, it's been most important in personal journey and my personal walk. You know, there's a lot of research out there supporting it. I'm, you know, stealing from Jordan Peterson once again. You know, he's he spent his entire career working somewhat in this space. All recovery from addiction is going to require somewhat of a spiritual transformation. And when he talks about that spiritual transformation, it's just getting a deeper meaning on the purpose of your life. Yeah, for me, because I am a Christian and, you know, I, I do put that in our content. It's a part of our company. Like we are a Christian organization. So I am finding a vast majority of men come to me are coming from that worldview, but I've worked with men of other belief systems in other faiths. And I've worked with guys that maybe don't subscribe to a Christian ideology, but they are still going to experience a spiritual transformation because they're going to have to get more clear on a deeper meaning and purpose of their life. Because without having that deeper purpose as to what I'm here for, why wouldn't I just sit in this pleasure over here? Like, yeah, yeah, I do believe that it has to play a major role. And like you said, I mean, it sits at the core of the AA organization, which has been around for a hundred years. And if you study that, that's all based on, you know, first century Orthodox principles. They remove Christ from it, but it's still centered around a Christian worldview. But yeah, I think as a believer and somebody that does put his faith most important in his life, I think the greatest thing that I've been able to do is the men that maybe grew up with a faith or grew up with a relationship with Christ, but maybe their behaviors have pulled them away from it, being able to bring them back and understand like God still sees you, you know, as the way that he created you. There's no lesser version of you. But yeah, I do believe that true success or true transformation is going to require some element of a spiritual transformation. I want to speak personally on this because what you just described is that track is something I experienced personally, like this returning back to God, to following Christ that happened for me kind of like full circle as I started to get a control over compulsive behaviors that I've had in many different domains of my life. It's like the greatest gift you end up getting on the tail end of these things is a deeper faith and deeper connection with God. And I think also, as you're speaking, something that becomes very evident to me is there's this element of surrender that is like at the heart of this spiritual rebirth that comes from any of these. You must surrender your old self these compulsive behaviors and habits to become reborn as the new version that you're trying to create and really just taking the baggage off this. Whether someone in your program, I imagine, follows any particular faith, it must be a surrender to, one, the seeking of help, two, almost like a self-sacrifice of these old things you've been clinging on to. And there the rebirth comes from being able to let part of you that was as no longer serving die, if you will, to be reborn in a deeper way. Yeah. I mean, it's built into the company name, you know, it's rebuilt recovery. When you look at our logo, it's a lion's head inside of a Phoenix's body. Phoenix is a symbol of death and resurrection. And I believe, you know, as men, we're all called to be lions. When you understand like a lion roars, you know, to signify that like an enemy has entered his territory. So the way that I got to the point where I had this idea to to create this logo, it's like, okay, the guy's going to come to me, a shattered man, a broken individual for whatever reason, but it's accepting and, and surrendering and killing off that past self. So that's the Phoenix dying and then resurrecting into a lion. Now you're stepping into the man that you were created to be. That's our terminology is we help you quit porn and become the men that you were created to be. So it's giving you the keys to your life. It's giving you the keys to your purpose that is waiting for you to fully step into it. And then we're going to give you all these other self-development tools, the fitness, the personal growth, the financial tools. If you need some help launching a business, like all of this is, is centered into our program. So you can now become that lion take over your territory and have an impact on the world. Yeah. And this is almost like the perfect segue. And by the way, the logo, very meaningful. I'm glad you had the opportunity to share that. That's amazing. The intentional design of that. I want to talk about sexual energy in general, because what's amazing is we've had a lot of this discussion around what happens when our neurochemistry and our sense of self is hijacked and becomes trapped in this compulsive behavior. At the same time, I think a very important conversation here is not to necessarily talk about any pathology, but 
the inborn power that can happen when sexual energy is harnessed. Mm. And I know you're a student of this, and I certainly am too. Let's speak about sexual energy, how that ends up being used creatively for men and women, how basically ejaculation and stuff like this maybe dissipates that, and how this has been represented in many cultures throughout the ages in many profound books and your experience with this idea. Yeah, this is great. And this is a conversation I'd love to have. I've had some amazing experts on on my podcast talking about this. And there's, you know, there's science and, and evidence, you know, going all the way back to like, you know, centuries ago, showing yeah. that there is an optimal, you know, frequency for for male ejaculation, yeah. just for overall health, for longevity, so forth and so forth. You know, what's fascinating to me is, you know, I've like I said, I've 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 read, I don't 1500 books in my life, you know, in the self development, personal development, health, fitness field. One book that I've read every year since 2015 is Thinking Grow Rich. I didn't even catch it, but it's in chapter. 12 or 13, where he talks about sexual transmutation. I didn't, I didn't even catch it for the first three years I was reading it, not till 2018, 2019, did that chapter actually jump out at me. But Napoleon Hill talked about it a hundred, you know, plus years ago when he, when he interviewed 500 men, 500 of the most successful men in the world to create this book, all of those men understood the ability or the power of harnessing their sexual energy. And I want to take it back to, you know, my faith, because I think it's important there. If you believe that, you know, we were created in the image of God, Ultimately, what does that mean? I can tell you what it means to me. Well, God created everything that we see, but then he gave us the same creative ability. And when you bring a man and woman together, the act of sex, that energy force is, in my opinion, the greatest miracle that we have here on earth today is the ability to make another human being. Well, you as a man are half of that equation. Your ejaculation, your semen that you are releasing is half of what it takes to make another human being. Obviously, there's a whole other process that takes a place in there. If you're just wasting that energy and you're just blowing it on your load every single day, not harnessing it, not utilizing it in a way to create something of meaning, something of value to the world. I mean, for me, a podcast that hit new and noteworthy in the first six weeks came out of the first three months of my life, not ejaculating every single day. You know, we now have a company, like you said, we've been able to help 1700 men to achieve things that I never even dreamt possible. So yeah, I believe when we have the ability to really harness that, to, to bring that in, get clear on creating something of meaning and value to the world, I think we're all truly unstoppable. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's been my personal experience with going through practices of conserving semen for just creative energy. It makes you feel fired up. And I think when I was bodybuilding, I used to hear stories of boxers and fighters that would intentionally, you know, not ejaculate before fights because it kind of built up this, this, this energy in the body. This has been very well known. Yeah. Rocky talks about it in Rocky one, you know, it's like one of the first moments there with Adrian, like right when they're first getting started and he's training for Apollo and she's like, like, yeah. (laughs) And and like, I understand it now, but it's like, God, that was 40 years ago or 50 years ago. Sylvester was onto something there. Totally. And and you know what's amazing too is I think when I began to study medicine and looked at many different perspectives of medicine, one that I found very fascinating is Ayurvedic medicine, which is the ancient medicine that came from India. And they had very unique ideas around these kinds of things. They believe that different people have different constitutional body types. You have someone who's very thin and wiry. You have someone who's more heavy set with like slower digestion. You have someone in the middle who's a little more fiery and they call these things vata, kapha, and pitta respectively. And they used to give prescriptions based on your kind of constitution, if you will, for how frequently it was good for you to ejaculate. And I think that what's amazing about this is it's What's optimal is different for every person. I think you really need to tune in and understand like what is good for you versus what is good for me. There are some people who can ejaculate a lot more frequently and still feel like you have that static charge of the sexual energy. Others that if you do it too way too frequently can do this, but you got to kind of dial in and find your ideal set point. I think for people who are pitta, which is a little bit of like the constitution that I feel like I match, like not heavy, not light, a little bit of fiery is like once every two weeks. Is, is what they recommend as a frequency. But, you know, anyways, I think it's interesting. This has been studied and focused on through all these cultures. There's obviously important stuff here to be discovered. Yeah, I had Dave Asprey, I don't, you know, the founder of Bulletproof Coffee mm-hmm. on, you know, he's wrote six, seven books. 
in his book, Superhuman, he gives this equation that he got from like the monks in, and I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's got something to do with your age and then subtracting six or something. And yeah, so as you age and get older, it becomes less frequent that you can fully recover it. But yeah, check out the book, Superhuman by Dave Asprey, or go listen to episode 46 or 47 when he was on my show, because he gives you what that formula is. Nice. That's super cool. All right. So we're coming up to the tail end of this. I'd love to give you the floor one more time just to share anything that you think would be impactful to kind of put a button on this conversation. For those listening, I know they've gotten value. I'd love for you to share a little bit about where people can find you as well and maybe any concluding thoughts on this conversation. Yeah. I think first thing, once again, just Dr. Anthony, thank you again for, you know, the willingness to have this conversation for everybody that's still here listening. Thank you for sticking around with us. If maybe you fall into the, the category of guys that are, you know, after hearing this or, or maybe something you've been thinking about for a while, like you've identified that this is a problem in your life. A for one, like understand like it's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with you. This is a problem that is impacting millions, millions of men in the world. So there shouldn't be any judgment coming from anybody if you open up and talk about it. If that is what you're getting, then you're having the conversation with the wrong person. So if anything, if anybody's hearing this and just needs somebody to have a conversation with, I want to invite you to reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at the Superman Frank. Just send me a direct message and say, hey man, you know, I heard you on Dr. Anthony's podcast. You know, just send me the word rebuild. Like if it's just one keep it to one word. I just want to give you a safe place to maybe just start getting some things off your chest. If you're interested in maybe learning more about what we do over at Rebuilt Recovery, uh, you can check us out at rebuiltrecovery.com or I'd probably direct you to check out our YouTube. That's where we're most active on you know, creating content. We do a daily video Monday through Friday and it's short, actionable stuff. You know, it's, it's eight to 12 minutes of tactical things that you can do in the moments of triggers, how to develop habits, how to establish a game plan for yourself, Sometimes we zoom out and go higher level, kind of, you know, understanding some of the deeper impacts on things. But yeah, check us out at Rebuild Your Life is the YouTube channel. And if you want like an actual guide or steps to follow, we have a free book. It's called The Seven Step Guide to Living Life Without Porn. You can get that at the sevenstepguide.com. But for those that are struggling, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing, you know, bad. It is going to be your responsibility, though, to get out of it. Nobody's going to come and rescue you. So if you've identified that there is a problem, begin to take action. And then for those that aren't, you know, more on the, the parenting side of things, please begin to educate yourself. Please begin to, you know, seek out and find some of those resources so we can start having these conversations and hopefully get in front of this with the next generation. Because I do have a very big mission with what we're trying to do. I mean, fully eradicating porn from the world. I mean, I'm not doing a whole lot on the, the front inside of things. There's some amazing people out there that are raising awareness and just trying to take down pornography and, and, and take down Pornhub. So it's not no longer readily available, but it's going to take a joint effort. Like we're going to need to get these sites taken down. We're going to need to get all the men clean up porn. And we're going to make sure that we educate the next generation on what they're going to face because as of right now, I don't think it is going to go anywhere. It's here. So we need to start making sure that the young boys that are coming up know what they're going to face. And do you work with kids? If there's anyone listening to this who feels like they have a friend, a family member, or maybe even child that struggles with this, have you ever done any stuff with kids? I haven't taken anybody under the age of 18. I'm not opposed to it. But probably at that age, I'm not sure what we do inside of our curriculum would make a lot of sense for a boy or, you know, a teenager. But I'd be willing to have a conversation with a parent and direct you. Like I said, I have lots of resources. I have a network of people that do. And those are conversations that we have regularly on our podcast. Nice. All right, Frank. Thank you so much, man. This was wonderful. I know everyone's going to really love this and I appreciate your willingness to come on here, share your heart and congratulations on everything you've done. And I know you're just getting warmed up. This is the first quarter and I'm excited to see how your work continues to blossom and impact more men and families. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fit Father Project Podcast. If you love what you heard, please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really helps spread this show to more men who need this valuable info. To watch full video episodes of this podcast and other motivational videos to inspire your training and more, visit our Fit Father Project YouTube channel. It's free and everything's made for busy guys over 40 like you. Visit youtube.com forward slash Fit Father Project to get access to our entire video library. 
And finally, if you or someone in your life is interested in becoming a fit father or needs help losing weight, building muscle, and living healthier after age 40, then visit fitfatherproject.com where you can see our proven programs, supplement line for guys 40 plus, and free meal plan and workouts to get you started. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi signing off. I'll see you in the next episode. 